This is the Turn on the Jets podcast, presented by Prime Sport. With the third pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Sam Darnold, quarterback, USC. What should the Jets expect from you? Um, a lot of wins. And now, here's your host. Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. This week, I'm going to be joined by Scott Mason, host of our Play Like a Jet podcast on the Turn on the Jets digital network. We are going to dedicate this episode to talking about the process and the decision that the Jets made to acquire Sam Darnold, the decision to draft him with the third overall pick in the draft, and where we project him, not just for this year, but going forward. This is going to lead into a multi-part interview that uh, Scott is going to do with Albert Breer, who wrote a really in-depth, expansive article about the Jets' internal thinking and how they got to the point where they swung the trade with the Colts and made the decision to draft Sam Darnold. So we're going to use this podcast uh, to kind of propel that series that's coming forward with uh, Scott and Albert on the Play Like a Jets feed and also give me 20 minutes to ramble about how excited I am about Sam Darnold this year. So it works out well. So before we dive into our discussion with Scott, I want to remind you guys, as always, that this podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, official sponsor and team partner of the New York Jets. Make sure to go to primesport.com slash turn on the Jets for all of their ticket and hospitality packages for the 2018 season. Give them a follow on Twitter and Facebook at Prime Sport. They'll have all different packages, not just for the away game, but also for the home games with their pregame tailgates and parties before kickoff. Again, that's primesport.com slash turn on the Jets. This podcast is also brought to you by Razor Sport. That's R-A-Z-E-R-S-P-O-R-T.com. Gambling is now legal in New Jersey and will likely soon be legal just about everywhere in the United States. So you need some solid advice to get that. Join the members section at razorsport.com. Follow them on Twitter at RazorSportClub. Get some tips from checking out our podcast with John Razor, the man himself, a few weeks back here on the Turn on the Jets feed. And again, make sure to give them a follow at RazorSport.com, R-A-Z-E-R-S-P-O-R-T.com. Prime Sport, Razor Sport, support the sports who support the Turn on the Jets podcast and all the other work we're doing at the site. All right, before uh, I carry on anymore, let's jump into our interview with Scott. Scott. Thank you for joining us this week. How's everything going over and play like a jet land? Pretty good, Joe. I'm really excited about this Albert Breer series. We just finished up the seven-parter on 1998, which is one of the best seasons in jet history, even though it did have a bit of a heartbreaking ending uh, in the AFC Championship game in Denver. But Ray Mickens, who to me is one of the most underrated players in Jets history because he was an outstanding nickel cornerback, actually started a handful of games, too, at the end of the year. And if you think about it, the nickel corner wasn't valued as much back then as it is now. And I feel like if Ray Mickens were playing today, he would be making a ton of money because nickel corner is such a valued commodity, especially the way that, that Ray Mickens was able to, to man the position. And he had some really cool stories a lot of great stuff that you can check out if you haven't listened to any of the series yet. Parts 1 through 7 are up. And it'll get you ready for a time when, see, 20 years later, we flash forward from 1998 to 2018. Back then, there was so much excitement around the team because they were good and everybody thought that they were on the cusp of potentially winning the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that's going to happen 
right now. But with Darnold in the fold, you would hope that if he can get to the level that we all expect there's a possibility that he gets to, then we could be having a similar conversation to what we had in 1998 sometime in the next couple of years. So it was a long, exhausting process as I talked to Albert Breer about, and he wrote the article at SI.com, which if anybody who hasn't seen it is absolutely terrific piece of journalism. As far as I'm concerned, it's it's as good of a piece of investigative sports journalism as far as, and I don't mean, you know, like the dirty stuff. I mean more in terms of just the process of what went on with a franchise and the decision to get an incredibly important piece, especially with quarterbacks. You know, Joe, it, it takes such a long time to really find your guy and then to be able to target him and get him. So I thought Albert did an incredible chronicling of that three-year period. Yeah, I'm very excited uh, to hear him talk through the process of putting together this article. And this is really the biggest decision the Jets organization has made uh, in a long time, probably since they traded up for Mark Sanchez prior to the 2009 draft and really made an aggressive move to move past Brett Favre, who decided not to come back after they had hired Rex Ryan. So, you know, you had a situation this offseason where the Jets – knew they needed to address the quarterback position. Going into the year, everybody thought they would find their way to a top two or three pick without needing to trade up. They won a couple more games, I think, than most expected, although some of us thought they'd be in the 4-12, and 5-11 and 11 range. They settle at number six. As McCagnan has said multiple times, they did go all in on Kirk Cousins. They were willing to pay Kirk Cousins what it was going to take to get him as they viewed him as an aberration in the market. Some of us were, were less bullish potentially on that des- decision. I think Cousins, yes, that was a rare circumstance. He was going to be available, but locking yourselves in, into him for the next three, four years, depending on what kind of contract the Jets would have had to sign for him, I, I don't know. I think it would have been a bit of a toss-up on how that would have played out. What was good for the Jets and good to see from the Jets is how quickly they were able to pivot to a plan B and were preemptive in making their trade from moving to number six to number three. So it did not get to a point of desperation on draft night of frantically needing to scramble or being left without their guy. And, you know, has this story documents, and as I, some, as I don't think is surprising to anybody who has followed this team and followed this front office, the Jets had Sam Darnold as their top quarterback on the board. Even at number three, they did not expect to get him. I think most of us thought Cleveland would take him. And even if Cleveland didn't take him, the Giants would pull the trigger and take him at number two. As soon as Darnold was there at three, I think most Jet fans realized he was going to be the guy, even if... You personally had Josh Rosen uh, ranked a little higher. I thought all three of those guys, Mayfield, Rosen, and Darnold, were fairly interchangeable, and you can make a strong case that any of them were the top quarterback in the class. I think all of us were just wanted to make sure that the Jets didn't do what Buffalo did, which is trade up or even just stay put and take Josh Allen, uh, which made draft night all that much better, where the Jets ended up with Darnold and the Bills ended up with Dow- uh, Allen. But what's interesting with Darnold, though, is that you know, Scott, you remember this too, that in the months leading up to the draft, Jet fans, us included, put most of their time and energy into talking about Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen, not thinking that Darnold was going to be an option. Uh, you did have the your series of when you broke down all the different quarterbacks and you had an episode dedicated to Darnold, but, you know, the history will show that most Jet fans spent the overwhelming majority of 
what was it, mid-February up through April, I'm sorry, like early March up through uh, mid-April, focusing more on Rosen and Mayfield than Darnold, no? Absolutely, and the funny thing about it is, Joe, you had Joey Kaufman from the Orange County Register on. I had him on during the Sam Darnold special, and I actually talked to him off the air for like a good 15, 20 minutes, and I just remember telling him, yeah, you know, I'm kind of doing this just in case, but there's no way that Sam Darnold's going to be available at three. I was just, he was laughing. He's like, yeah, you never know. Anything's possible. Although all the intel he had at the time seemed to indicate that Darnold was probably going to end up going number one. And it was, it was crazy. The numbers of listeners of the podcast are a perfect barometer of what you just said, because the numbers that we did for Josh Allen, uh, Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen were were really, really, really strong. The numbers for Donald were, were fine. They were solid, but they were nothing close. And I think it's because Jets fans figured, most Jets fans it seemed, that Donald had no chance to get to them at number three and that the Jets were going to end up picking one of the other three guys. Now, with Allen, what I heard from a lot of people was, well, I better listen to this just in case, because if they pick Allen, I at least want to know about him, but I really hope they don't pick him. And then, of course, the the thing that on Jets' Twitter it seemed to be was, do you prefer Rosen or Mayfield? I preferred Mayfield. I like Rosen. I think he's going to be good. I preferred Mayfield. But I always had Darnold ranked as my number one guy. I just put him out of my mind because I thought there was no chance he was going to get there. And, in fact, Joe, our buddy Jeff Lloyd, who does Locked on Browns and is pretty plugged in in Cleveland, all the way through, he and, and I, I talked to some of his friends, too, who know some things. They were telling me all along, listen, it's Darnold. It's Darnold. It's Darnold. It's Darnold. The Josh Allen stuff is mostly just noise. It's Darnold. It's Darnold. All the way up until the morning of the draft, I was still hearing it was Darnold. And then I got some text messages like, around noon telling me, holy cow, this Baker Mayfield stuff is true. They're going to pick Mayfield. And it was stunning. And so, yeah, it it just broke in a way that no one ever expected. And especially, you know, whether we expect it or not, McCagman and those guys, the people in the front office, as Albert's story in SI chronicled, and as he talks about with me in this series that we're going to unveil beginning on Friday, nobody was more surprised than those guys they thought there was zero chance that Sam Darnold was coming to them. They didn't start to think that there would even be the slightest possibility until some of the Josh Allen rumors started to kick in. But even then, they didn't really think that there was any real possibility of Darnold. So it's just weird how three out of four drafts, it seems like the player that McCagnin really thought was, you know, the guy, you know, whether it was Leonard Williams or Jamal Adams or now Darnold that they didn't think was going to be in the discussion at the pick that they had ends up falling to him somehow. And in fact, there's a line uh, that Albert talks about in the story. I think it was uh, Brian Herodinger, who is now his basically McCagney's right-hand man, who said something like, you were born with a horseshoe up your butt as they realized that Darnold was going to fall to them at number three because somehow this just keeps happening in McCagney. But I will say this, though, Joe, as, as fortunate as they were that Darnold fell to them, it was a long and arduous process, a lot of bumps in the road along the way, as we all know, a lot of stops and starts. In fact, uh, Christian Hackenberg, and, and we'll get into this a little bit, Joe, uh, in, in a second, I guess, so I'll, I'll throw it back to you first. But 
there was the Christian Hackenberg pick. So that could have turned in a certain direction. And obviously they picked Bryce Petty the first year that McCagney was drafting in 2015. So there were, there were, Bumps along the way, there were uh, attempts to get other quarterbacks. You mentioned Kirk Cousins. They they felt like I did. They were all in. They thought it was ridiculous that this guy somehow made it to free agency. They never believed he would be available. And they were willing to, you know what, a lot of people didn't like the categorization. I know Manish Mehta said, oh, it's a ridiculous. The Jets are not going to give him a blank check. It sounds like they pretty much were willing to do that. It's just that Kirk Cousins preferred to go to Minnesota where he felt that he had a better chance to win right away. But they were all in on that. So that could have also been a, a, you know, a complete detour in what ended up being the final stop on this plan. But it's just kind of a wild thing how sometimes you end up getting to the place you wanted to be all along. It just takes longer to get there. And it's a, you go, you get there in a direction and in a way that you didn't expect. Maybe you take a, a road to that spot that you didn't think you were going to take. You take a back road or something instead of going on the highway, but you end up getting to where you wanted to be all along. And that's kind of what happened with the Jets here. It's really kind of a crazy story. Yeah, look, I think having luck being involved, involved is okay. And that, that's what happens in a lot of these situations. I mean, it's how Tom Brady started playing. It's how Aaron Rodgers fell to the Packers. It's how a lot of things end up, you know, shaking out in the NFL. You just have to be ready to take advantage when someone falls to you in an unexpected way. And there are still people who will argue that the Jets gave up too much. And honestly, we'll know a year or two, we'll know a couple of years from now, uh, but if you got your quarterback, then it's worth the price. And the Jets got the guy that they figured they ranked as the best quarterback in the class. And since Brian Heimerdinger has had a little more influence in the front office, it appears that they're heading or evolving in the right direction and hopefully learn from some of the mistakes they made in the first few years of the McCagnan Bulls regime. I feel like this regime as they were in their initial years, probably overpays to keep Demario Davis and Austin Safarian Jenkins and maybe is not aggressive enough to go up and get Darnold and they're stuck sitting at number six and seeing who falls to them. I thought they were aggressive when they needed to be this offseason and considering their situation, having a plan B ready at quarterback, uh, handled everything relatively well. Now, the job's not complete yet. They still have a ton of cap space that they need to use in a way to build around Darnold uh, next year. I mean, this is going to be a multi-year process to build a roster around him that's going to be competitive because I don't think this team is ready to compete for the playoffs or compete for the AFC East right away. But with Darnold, you know, just turned 21, has everything you would look for from a physical standpoint in a quarterback, no red flags off the field at all, which is, I, I think the stuff with Mayfield and Rosen was way overhyped, but it never hurts with Darnold that there's no hint of there being a concern with that. With Darnold, it's going to be a matter of how quick can he pick up the playbook? And by all indications and in OTAs and minicamp, he was moving probably quicker than expected and even got some reps with the first team. Can he avoid turnovers? And can he learn from his mistakes? And can this fan base understand that he is going to play and it's good for him to play through those early rough patches? Delaying the inevitable with him playing, if he is about just as good as all the other quarterbacks in camp this year, doesn't benefit anybody. He's going to learn from making mistakes and hopefully have a short memory and come back and then really be ready to be in a position where this team could compete 
in year two with a better roster around him. We saw it with Carson Wentz. We saw it with Jared Goff. We've seen other examples. It's the norm now when you draft a quarterback this high for them to play the majority of the reps in year one. And I think after Donald was first drafted, less Jet fans expected to see that. But now, after reading about him at minicamp and OTAs, uh, I think more fans are coming around to the reality that he may start week one. If he doesn't start week one, we may end up seeing him sooner rather than later. And there's going to be rough patches, but you hope that there is enough bright spots and he shows enough potential where he's a real recruiting asset this offseason as you go and try to pay free agents and draft around him. And that he is really much more ready to hit the ground running in year two than he would be if you keep him on the bench for this year. I mean, how many games do you expect to see Darnold start this season? Honestly, I think it really depends. And again, you know, talking to Daryl Slater a lot, who I've been joking with him that he's basically an honorary member of TOG Digital at this point because he's been on the podcast with me so many times and we're going to do a ton of podcasts at training camp this year, especially since... They're only going to have it open, I think, three or four times the entire summer. So Daryl will be our eyes and ears at TOJ as far as what happens there. But from what Daryl's telling me, and it makes sense, Bold is basically taking the approach of, I'm not going to hold Sam Donald back, but I'm also not going to push him when he's not ready. And I had this whole, I know, Joe, that you're big on just starting Donald day one, but I had a long conversation with Joe Blewett, who's going to be starting TOJ film room with Kyle Smith sometime in mid-July. I believe July 13th is the launch date for that. And I actually had a whole conversation with both him and Kyle Smith. We went uh, bowling uh, just before the draft and we were talking about the quarterbacks. And it was funny because Kyle and Joe kind of disagreed with each other as far as the quarterbacks. I kind of agreed with with Joe in terms of Joe was saying, look, I, I think Mayfield and Rosen are really good. But I think Donald has a chance to be super special just based on the film that I've watched. And Kyle was like, oh, you know, I like Donald too. I think he could be good. But I really like Mayfield and Rosen and this and that. And I was with Joe, whereas I said, look, I think Donald has the chance to be super special. But I don't think there's really any chance that he's going to be available to the Jets. And then uh, we did that six-part film review of Donald's 2017 season. And it's funny because... Joe called me on the phone as he was doing it. And, it, you know, this is what happens when you're football nerds like me and him. He'll call me up and he goes, dude, I can't tell you how excited I am watching this film. He's like, this guy is so good. He is going to be so good. He goes, I don't want to oversell it. But if he gets the, if he fixes certain things and keeps his head on straight and doesn't get hurt, he could be like Aaron Rodgers good. And I was like, wow. Because, you know, Joe blew it. You want to talk about breaking down film. I mean, there's, there's nobody better out there. And so, you know, as good as I think Donald is, I, I was, you know, I love hearing that, but we, t- but Joe and I also talked about in this film review series that we did is listen, you want to make sure that when Donald plays, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You don't want him going out there and not being fully ready because if he goes out there and he starts to struggle, he's going to revert back to his bad mechanics And it's going to set him back even further. So if he's going to be playing, you want to make sure that Bates has him exactly where he wants him to be. His confidence is where it needs to be. His mechanics are fine-tuned, all of that stuff. So having said all of that, 
I think that there's at least a 50% chance that he's going to be the starter day one. I think a lot of people have this misnomer of Bowles that he only goes with the veterans or whatever. I think Bowles goes strictly with who he thinks gives him the best chance to win. And I think that last year it was very obvious, no matter what anybody wanted to say about it, that Josh McCown, I I had more than one beat reporter tell me, and it turned out to be true, obviously, that Josh McCown could have, you know, flown home. I can't remember where he lives in the offseason, but he could have flown home there and eaten donuts for two months, basically, and still come back and thrown left-handed and beat out Hackenberg and Petty from what they were seeing and from what they were hearing from coaches and stuff. I don't think it's the case this year with Darnold because, listen, whatever we want to say about Hackenberg and Petty, neither one of those guys was even close to ready to play. I mean, Petty was better than Hackenberg, but he was as bad as it got last year when he actually got his chance to play, and Hackenberg was so bad he couldn't even get in over Petty in a meaningless fourth quarter against the New England Patriots in Week 17. With Darnold, you're already seeing it. They're already excited about it. You hear stuff that Bates is saying, some things that you're even hearing from from Todd Bowles. I, I think that Bates is very good at working with this stuff. And I talked to Dan Orlovsky about this in the quarterback series. He thinks Bates is the perfect guy to work with if you have mechanical issues. And so if they're able to sort that out, I think his demeanor is, and you talked to Joey Kaufman at this, he is as cool a customer as it gets. So it's not, I don't think the pressure is going to rattle him. My only worry is as far as, you know, being set back with the mechanics. But I think that, there's a 50% chance at least that he starts because I think there's a good chance that he gets his mechanics together. I think worst case scenario, maybe he comes, I think the absolute worst case scenario is maybe he comes in after the bye week, which would be you know a little later than we'd like. But again, it's a marathon, not a sprint. If that happens, whatever, I don't really, I'm not going to you know lose sleep over it. I think the most likely scenario is either he starts day one or he starts after that early stretch uh, where they play, uh, you know, three games in a short span early in the season. So I don't think it's going to be a long wait for Darnold, but I, I wouldn't guarantee he's going to start. But I, I definitely think they're uh, right away. But I think there's definitely a, a chance of it. And I, I think the the odds of him having to wait longer than a handful of games are, I, w- I would put it at, at a pretty low number at this point. Yeah, I agree. I feel like the momentum is just moving towards it, and I feel like unless Bridgewater ends up being a, a surprising wild card and really healthy uh, and a better version of the guy he was in 2015, uh, I think Darnold's going to be able to be impressive enough in training camp and preseason to make it a, a case to play pretty early in the season. But we'll have to see how it shakes out. Uh, I don't think you force him if he's not ready, but you know, Josh McCown's 39 and, you know, had some good moments last year, but I do think his numbers probably overinflate how good of a quarterback he was last season. And Bridgewater is still a complete wild card. You know, a few OTA practices does not remove the fact that he has not played a meaningful snap since 2015 and we're halfway through 2018 here. So we'll have to see how it shakes out. I would say before we wrap, you know, overall with Darnold, I think what's nice about him is that, you know, He's a young guy, and with his skill set and size, it just feels like the floor is pretty high for him. He does not feel like the kind of guy that, even if things don't go as well as we want, he is going to bottom out and be a train wreck. He feels like maybe 
a bad scenario for him is the Jets don't do a great job building around him, and maybe they he struggles getting over some of his turnovers, but he ends up being maybe a middle-of-the-road starter. But he feels still feels like someone who's going to be a starter uh, for this team for at least, I would say, the next you know four to six years, unless something disastrous happens. And then the ceiling is obviously tantalizingly high. If the Jets build around him the right way, he continues to grow and develop between 21 and 25 years old. But it really feels like, from everything you see from this guy on film and from everything everyone is saying about him, and we'll, of course, see more as it gets close to the season, they found the guy who's going to be their starter for uh, a while here, at least. And we haven't been able to say that, so... You know, we'll see it more when it counts, but his ability to make all the throws in the field, some of the different reads uh, he was able to make at a collegiate level, his ability to throw on the move, run the football if need be, and potentially be used in RPOs and other different concepts that Jeremy Bates may want to integrate. Jet fans have every reason to be very excited. So, Scott, before we wrap, um, any final words, and then what should people look for the rest of the week on Turn on the Jets Digital? Yeah, I just want to add one thing to what you're saying. I think that, and you know, you could throw whatever names you want out there, but I, I mentioned this to Mark Schofield, our friend at Inside the Pylon. I think Darnold, the chance of him being like a bust, like just being flat out not good at all, are very, very slim. I think his downside, we know, like you said, that the ceiling is tantalizingly high. I think the downside is a more athletic Vinny Testaverde. In other words, a guy who can be a starter for a significant period of time, maybe doesn't reach the level that you thought he would reach being the number three pick and with all the hype around him coming out of USC, but still a guy that has that kind of talent that can make just incredible throws, get hot, and and lead a winning team. I mean, we saw what Vinny did from time to time, especially in the 1998 season. So I think that worst-case scenario – He's just a a solid starter for a lengthy period of time. But I think the more likely scenario, barring injury, is that he's going to be a really, really good quarterback. Whether or not he's going to reach that top three in the league type ceiling that we all seem to think that he has, that remains to be seen. But I think that there's a really strong chance that he's going to be really, really good. And I can't tell you how excited I am to watch him. And I'm still amazed that they were able to get him in the first place. And you're going to hear all about how amazed everybody was in the Jets' room, in the brass, in terms of the ownership, in terms of the front office, the coaching staff, even the head of security. You can hear that story. All of that. The whole three-year chronicle of how this ended up happening is going to be starting this Friday on Play Like a Jet with Albert Breer. Again, if you haven't read his piece, go to SI.com. It's a great companion to the podcast. But there's a lot of cool stuff that I was able to talk to him about that was really he didn't get into in the article because there's only so much space, including a couple of stories about the Giants and the role that they played in this ending up happening. We talk a little bit about other opportunities that McCagnan had to get a quarterback, what happened in 2015 with Marcus Mariota, what happened in 2016 with Jared Goff, what happened in 2017, Corey looking at potentially a quarterback there. So there's a lot of stuff to unpack from the whole decision and uh, a lot of really funny quotes from guys in the front office. It'll help you get to know a lot of these guys too, because let's be honest, 
it's not like Mike McCagnan is some sort of open book that we know everything about, but Albert Breer kind of was able to penetrate that brick wall a little bit and, and get us a little bit of the personalities of these guys and what makes them tick and really how they go about the process. It, it, I think it's really great, and I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be our biggest series yet at Play Like a Jet. So it's going to start on Friday. It'll be a multi-week series. And we've got a lot of other cool stuff coming up at uh, Turn on the Jets Digital as well. Brand-new podcast, too. In fact, by the time you hear this, you will have already had the opportunity to download Michael Nanny's new show, which is going to be called Know Your Foe. The show itself will launch, I believe, sometime in August or September around when the preseason or the regular season starts. However, we're giving you a special sneak preview edition of the show this week, kind of to whet your appetite for what you're going to get when the show launches. You're going to get every single nook and cranny about the Jets' opponent each week. And in the special preview, Michael goes into great detail about the Buffalo Bills, talk about not just Josh Allen, but all their strengths, their weaknesses, what to be looking for in the upcoming season. And Mike Lindsley, who is a, um, who's been basically uh, covering the Bills in sports radio up in the Buffalo area for the last 20 years or so, he's going to join Michael as the featured guest. And, and so they have a great conversation. That's available uh, also, obviously, this podcast, Joe, is rocking and rolling, the TOJ podcast. So if you haven't subscribed or left a review for that, go ahead. Connor's got Stick to the Jets. And I'm wondering when Manish Mehta is going to be coming back because Manish seems to be a popular guest for Connor, and, and he's a guy that doesn't do a lot of podcasts. But Connor's able to get him with his, with his, uh, his black magic, I guess you would say. He hypnotized Manish into coming on with him and, and giving up scoops that Manish won't talk about anywhere else. So I'm looking forward to the next episode of Stick to the Jets with Connor. We've got other new podcasts coming too, including What's Your Point with Dalvin Asario and Paulie Brzez. And that's going to be a presidential debate kind of format. So what it's going to be is you're going to have Joe and, uh, excuse me, Dalvin and Paulie are going to be debating the hottest Jets topics, and it'll be uh, the first guy will get a minute, then two minutes for a rebuttal, then another two minutes, and then the special guest judge each week will be the one that comes in, decides who won that round, and then we'll see who wins the game at the end. We'll keep standings, and then at the end of the season, we'll probably have some sort of funny bet where the loser has to do something of the winner's choice or something like that. And uh, I'll be moderating that. Joe, I'm hoping that we can get you to come on as the first uh, ever special guest judge on that one. So I think we're going we're gonna to do that sometime right around training camp, the beginning of training camp at the end of July. And then also um, there's another podcast that we're going to be getting going uh, involving a, a legend of the New York radio airwaves. I don't really want to give too much away right now because we're still kind of discussing how this is going to play out, what the format is. But trust me, it's somebody that if you're a fan of New York sports, you know this guy. If you're a Jets fan especially, I, odds are you're probably a big fan of his. And let's just say he's going to take his brand to TOJ Digital and put his unique take and spin on things, and I'm really looking forward to having him. So there'll be an announcement about that coming soon. But again, like I said, it's going to be a special show with a legend of the New York airwaves. And then like I mentioned, Joe Blewett and Kyle Smith, July 13th, TOJ Film Room. If you love Joe Blewett and Kyle Smith's film reviews, you're really going to love this show because 
They're going to take a deep dive into the film and really give you a tremendous look at not just players, but strategies. They're going to, throughout the season, take a look at the film from the Jets and the opponent's side. So that'll be a lot of fun. And then, obviously, Dan Essien has um, bucked the trend, which is uh, which airs on Saturdays, or the new episodes drop on Saturdays. And uh, I'm not sure what he has coming up this week, but Joe, I know you've been on it, Dalvin's been on it, Connor's been on it. It's basically just talking about schemes and, and uh, different concepts and, and some of the players, coaches, and executives that have changed the game and been innovative. So we, we just, I think we have so much great uh, original content uh, we're kind of at this point, I, I like to joke that we're approaching the, uh, I guess, Hulu of Jets digital content status, or at least that's what I like to say. So, uh, you know, if you haven't subscribed to these, to all these podcasts, go ahead and do it. Leave us a review. doesn't cost you any money. doesn't take you a lot of time, but we really appreciate it a lot. So yeah, Joe, lots of exciting things going on at TOG digital. And I'm really glad to keep pushing the momentum forward. That's quite a roundup right there. Very very well done. And as Scott said, make sure to subscribe, review all the podcasts, subscribe and review to the Turn on the Jets podcast on iTunes. We're only 12 ratings away from 200, so get us up over that mark. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week with a new episode, as we are every single week. Keep following us on turnonthejets.com. Give me a follow on Twitter at Jay Caparoso. Give Scott a follow on Twitter at Play Like a Jets One. Thank you, everybody, and we will be back next week.